Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Real Life Real Crime Daily for Friday, October 27th. And I'm Jim Chapman. And I'm Woody Overton. And I'm Mike Agavino. Happy Friday, fellas. So, happy Friday Friday. Friday, 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 right? Well, That's right. Mike gets as, a day off tomorrow. I do. Monday. I mean, I Sunday. get my I get my honey do list by seven thirty a.m. on Saturday morning, Jim. Do you really? That. Oh yeah, that's delivered with a rose. I get a, a red rose. A <laughs> rose. <laughs> yeah, I get a red rose. Oh, nice. Pillow right next to the honey do list. So what happens if you go on strike and you say? F it, I'm not doing it. That's yeah. never happened, Woody. <laughs> <laughs> There's no telling what would happen if that. That's happened. never. That's never happened. That that would throw the world out of its orbit if uh, right. if something like that happened. Um, hey, you know what, fellas? Let's get into some crime time for Friday. Talk about what the whole country's talking about, right? This mass shooter. You know, I was watching Fox News last night and about. Gosh, I don't know what time it was, nine o'clock or so. And uh, it was the lead story, obviously, just a horrific event uh, taking place, tragic mass shooting in Maine, uh, in which 22 people, as of this recording, uh, have been killed and the 30, 40 plus people injured. Uh, I'm seeing conflicting reports on that, and I've seen reports as as high as 50 plus yeah. uh, people injured. And the the insane thing about this whole situation outside of the shooting is they haven't caught the guy yet. Yeah, that's scary because with all his training and everything, and he didn't take himself out of the equation. It makes me fear that he's going to do it again. Firearms instructor. Uh, you know, military train, you've been in a mental hospital for two weeks. Uh, He's threatened to shoot up the, what, the National Guard base before. And, yeah, and he, he, shit, how do you do it? And, uh, um, but, you know, his vehicle being found, found by the Marina, like we were talking about before we started broadcasting, did he get on a boat? I don't know. Uh, uh, but everybody knows who he is, but, it's scary that he didn't take himself out. You know, I'm a, I don't know if he wants suicide by cop or he's just going to, in his brain, he's just going to kill everybody. Well, yeah, is there I any mean, precedent for something like that? I can't recall any of these mass shooters ever getting away for any kind of extended period of time. They usually want to try and become famous and go out with a bang, right? 
Yeah, the, the only ones that, and it wasn't mass shooters, the only ones that got away for any period of time and killed more people were the, the Boston Marathon bombers, right, that, that I can think of. Yeah. Um, but this guy, wow. Right. So, yeah. I mean, maybe that's even scarier because maybe this guy's got, you know, didn't know if he'd get this far, and now that he's got gotten this far. Oh, I'm sure he was surprised he made it past the first shooting. Right. I'm, I'm sure he was shocked and – uh, the crazy thing is, between the first shooting and the second shooting, there was a ten-minute time span. So, uh, um, and and look, none of this is being put off on police. Obviously, they're right. they're killing it right now, doing everything they can to catch this guy and have all these resources. But you know, to to kill that many people and then there's a ten-minute time span, you're able to make it to another place. I I don't think I've ever seen that happen. Right. Uh, yeah, four sure. miles, four miles apart too. Um, Jim, you say you know the police are doing great work, and obviously they uh, they are, and we've got tons of resources that have been marshaled to the area. But some of the coverage I was listening to this morning, the FBI is being criticized for uh, you know the people that they do seem to have their eye on in this country and the people that they seem to not have their eye on in this country. And, you know, you got a guy who this summer is in a facility for multiple weeks and has uh, talked about shooting up uh, his National Guard unit. Uh, I mean, and this guy's a weapons instructor. And I mean, why isn't this guy away? I don't know. I don't know. It's uh hearts go out to everybody. Um, and, Hopefully they'll catch it before he can kill someone else. Uh, um, hopefully he ran out of ammunition or something. I don't see that happening, but I don't know why you would just stop shooting after two shooting events unless you really are trying to get away. So what we plan on doing is uh, we're going to do a pickup after this story if if in the event massive things change. So uh, we're just making y'all aware of that. If we pick up with another story here regarding his capture or something of that nature, uh, that's why we pre-recorded this. And as you know, these stories are fluid and they change on a dime. So right. uh, look for that. Hearts go out to all of them. A hundred percent. Hopefully everybody else stays safe. So let's go into our, uh, our first story of the day. Uh, our planned first story of, of today, and that is uh, Mike and I did a little podcast uh, without Woody the other day. And, um, and but, you know, I don't know about Mike, but Mike, we rocked it, don't you think? Absolutely. I, th I think y'all did a great job. <laughs> and we I rocked it. I don't believe any of those rating NBC's services. NBC's calling us. <laughs> I don't believe any of those rating services that say we lost 15% of the audience without Woody. <laughs> <laughs> that can't possibly be correct. Can't uh, possibly. Can't yeah, possibly. But uh, one of the things we discussed, and, and this is a, a really sad story where a young female drank an energy drink and, uh, and passed away uh, due to complications from that. And her family was suing Panera Bread over that incident. And I had mentioned during that conversation the McDonald's incident where the the lady had spilled coffee on her and sued McDonald's because the coffee was hot, essentially. And right. I had, I look, apparently some people are more up on that case than me. 
because I had some messages and I, and they said I need to brush up on my McDonald's hot coffee stories. And I'm thinking, uh-huh. I ain't thought about this since 1992, y'all. You know, that was just kind of a, a situation where that was off the cu- totally off the cuff. We didn't plan on talking about McDonald's at all in that episode, but um, I did go back and check some facts, and I decided to make that my first story because these people reached out and and wanted to make sure I corrected the record on that incident. So just real quick for those of you to, for a brush up on that McDonald's hot coffee case in 1992, 79 year old Stella Liebeck bought a cup of takeout coffee at a McDonald's drive through in Albuquerque and spilled it on her lap. She sued McDonald's and a jury awarded her nearly $3 million in punitive damages for the burns she suffered. Now, the typical reaction back then, y'all, was in coffee supposed to be hot, and McDonald's didn't pour the coffee on her. She spilled it on herself. Besides, she was driving a car and wasn't paying attention. Those were kind of what you would hear. Um, the facts of that case are actually Miss Liebeck was not driving. She went her coffee spilled, nor was the car she was in even moving. Uh, she was the passenger in a car that stopped in front of a parking lot at McDonald's where she bought the coffee. She had the cup between her knees, and while removing the lid to add cream and sugar, that's when the cup tipped over and spilled the contents on her lap. The coffee wasn't just hot. It was dangerously hot. McDonald's corporate policy was to serve it at a temperature that could be that could cause uh, serious burns in seconds. Miss Liebeck's injuries were far from frivolous. She was wearing sweatpants and absorbed the coffee in it. In it. You know, when you're wearing sweatpants, it just kind of sits on your skin. Mm-hmm. Uh, she suffered third degree burns which are the most serious kind and required skin grass on her inner thighs and elsewhere. Um, the other thing that complicated that case was McDonald's. That wasn't just limited to her. They had received more than 700 reports and uh, many, many lawsuits over hot, uh, you know, overly hot coffee, I guess you could say. Uh, in the beginning, initially she offered to settle that case for $20,000. McDonald's said, no, we'll give you $800. Mm-hmm. Uh, that $20,000 essentially was going to cover her skin grass, et cetera. So she took them to court and that's how she ended up with the $3 million. Uh, when it was all said and done, the smoke cleared, they found out that the franchise had a kind of like a rule that this coffee is to be served. Uh, and held at 180 to 190 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, now, when you brew coffee, I did a little research on that, and usually it's around two, 205 degrees is, is what the National Coffee Association recommends for brewing. But once it's being held, obviously it cools down a little bit, and that it, that was considered an extreme high temperature for coffee being held up. Uh, you know, there's a belief out there that the, the colder your coffee is, the less flavor you get. And that's probably accurate. McDonald's at that time was known for having good coffee. I mean, uh, I know a lot of people back in that day that, you know, they love McDonald's coffee and they swear that since they changed the temperature, uh, that coffee is not as good. And, and that may be true. Um, but there was a, that was kind of the, you know, the, uh, deal. So at no time, I didn't want people to think I was throwing shade on, on her or insinuating she 
you know, sued them previously. I, I was just saying, you know, there's some common sense out there that coffee is very hot, obviously. And, uh, and I didn't know all the, all the facts of that case. So I do what? now. And well, so is, all of you. <laughs> there, there is some common that. sense that coffee is hot, but did that become a civil action? Did a, a bunch of people then join that? And- I know after that, I know, I don't think, think so, but I know after that, that they changed, they actually put caution hot on their cups. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. They, they, there was a lot of little things that came out of that case that, um, that I didn't mention, like, for example, having more accurate signage and things on the, the product itself, explaining that it was hot. Um, so that was some, some things that came out of that, but the money aspect of it, I'm sure somebody's going to use that or used that as a precedent somewhere. And, yeah. you know, I mean, cause once it, the problem with it or, or the, the, the result of a case like that is then you set precedent. Once you set precedent, it's hard to get out of it. Oh know? yeah. So that's why I'm wondering uh, as McDonald's ended up after that first 3 million cutting a couple hundred million dollars worth of checks to just get people to go away and say they got hurt. I haven't heard that, coffee. but yeah. not out of the realm of possibility. I know the prices are way much more than they were back in the nineties. Right. Right. Like, well, that was for a meal. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, interest, an interesting just thing that I'll end with Woody, now that you brought it up is the way they determine that $3 million, because obviously when you're in court, money has to make sense somehow. And they, and they came up with that figure and where did the jury come up with that figure? Well, they, they, they subpoenaed McDonald's and got the records for every single cup of coffee they had sold over a two year time period. And that's what they awarded her. Wow. They basically said you get two years worth of their sales in co- wow. in coffee. And McDonald's had only done 3 million in sales over two well, years. Well, I mean, a cup of coffee back then was, only like six you talking 30 years ago or yeah yeah, yeah 30 years okay. ago yeah, 32 years ago yeah, yeah. it was only it's less than a dollar for a cup of coffee so that's billions and billions served i don't know that sounds uh i'm surprised that that the number was that low but interesting interesting uh let's go to israel y'all and talk about everybody knows what's going on over there and this you know i still think it's a tragedy but um, as we know all too well, on October 7th, the terrorist group Hamas launched a deadly attack on Israel that included the specific targeting of the Nova Music Festival in the southern part of the country. At the music festival, terrorists mutilated innocent civilians and took hostages. Many of those are still being held in Gaza. A 23-year-old American citizen by the name of Adir Asika attended the Nova Festival along with his girlfriend and some other friends. Adir served in the Israeli Defense Force, or the IDF, in a combat engineering unit. According to his aunt, he didn't talk a lot about it. It was clandestine for the most part, but he loved life, and he cared very much about being able to be free and to live in a country that prioritized and protected freedom. She went on to say that Adir fought for those principles and had remained in the military for longer than the standard mandatory service. His aunt, whose name is Moriel Lutan, believes Adir knew what his end was going to be, and he did it anyway. Adir Maseka and his group, which included several longtime friends, 
his girlfriend, and another young woman were resting in tents at the festival on October 7th when they began to hear the rocket sirens. When Masika and his friends began to hear the sound of machine guns firing and Arabic language chatter, it became clear that they may be dealing with terrorists looking to hunt and kill them. The men witnessed terrorists approaching shelters similar to theirs and tossing grenades into them. And as the terrorists approached their shelter, a deer and his best friend Eli instructed the two young women to hide. Then they left the shelter with one other friend and charged the Hamas gunmen in an attempt to divert attention away from the shelter. All three were killed by gunfire in this heroic act of self-sacrifice. The woman remained in the shelter for six hours until the IDF soldiers arrived and rescued them. Masika, Eli, and their third childhood friend, Matan, were buried side by side in Israel. We're broken and devastated and angry and sad and worried, said Latan in an interview with Fox. She added that her nephew was a larger-than-life individual whose friends and family will now live that way in his honor. She said, we all have to live a really large life in his name because that's what he would have wanted. And we have to be meaningful with our lives because he was meaningful with his. Latan also said that since her nephew's tragic murder, her family has received an unparalleled outpouring of love from the community in Israel. Some 3,000 people attended Adair Masika's funeral, many of whom told his family how much they admired their loved one's love of life. I think that Adair would want Israel to be really making sure to eradicate that kind of threat, she said about the aftermath of the barbaric attack. I'm going to do my best and his family would do their best to try and not only take care of the immediate needs that Israel has right now, but also try to be a lighthouse for what's to come afterward and help rally the support towards rebuilding and healing. Right? Hero. Wow. Sure. wow probably, probably one of, of hundreds that day. Um, but, you know. Yeah, it's right. a story coming scary. out of a horrible situation right there. Yeah. You're there yeah. with your friends for a concert. You're laying in a in a tent and the next thing you know, you're hearing machine gun fire. And then yeah. in that moment, you decide to protect the women and put yourself yeah. at risk like that. Machine uh, guns and hand grenades, man. They were throwing hand grenades God. into these tents where people were resting. It's crazy. I don't get it. Well, wow. That's uh, I'd say thank you for your service, but Adir, that's not, I mean, that just goes right. so far beyond anything I can imagine. So, yeah. um, but I think it's important to tell those kinds of stories here because right. uh, well you know they, in Israel they, they a very different perspective Israel is different us and uh in the respect that everyone has a mandatory military service right, right. so everyone is trained um I guess training kicked in and, and try to save some people may rest in peace yep well mm-hmm. It's springtime, boys. The grass is green, the birds are chirping, and the kids will be out of school soon. That makes it the perfect time to plan a family vacation. And we know from the stories we cover that this is not exactly the time to take the family to the Caribbean. You don't want to end up in the middle of some cartel drug shootout. So this year, it's time to take an international journey. And of course, a big international trip is just one reason to learn a new language with Rosetta Stone. You might have a different one. Maybe you want to connect with family or friends living overseas. Maybe you want to acquire a new skill for work 
or better understand a certain culture. Rosetta Stone has helped me have fun with my mother and at least have partial conversations in Italian after only a few lessons. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users in 25 languages offered. Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and many more. Rosetta Stone immerses you in many ways. No English translation, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language. Intuitive process, you pick up a language naturally. Designed for long-term retention. Speech recognition. The true accent feature is like having a personal trainer for your accent. Rosetta Stone is convenient and an amazing value. That's right, Woody. A lifetime membership has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Real Life Real Crime and Daily Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. Sayonara. Shout out to Astro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. My allergies are throwing my whole morning off. Do I sound different to you? I love that. You sound like, <laughs> it's that time of year, though, bro. I sound different to me. I feel like I'm in a submarine. Yeah, well, have you tried Astro Pro? It's faster, bro. Oh. Right? Astro Pro is the first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It is the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription strength, indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Hey, I use this. And you should too, Jim. Last weekend, I planted my garden, and it's that time of the year, and my allergies really kicked up with it, right? I use Astapro every time my nasal allergies flare up, and I'm always amazed at how fast I'm back in the game, down on those rows, playing my stuff. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to AstaproAllergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O Allergy.com. It's faster, bro. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Astapro and go. We, uh... We end up doing so many jail escape stories that uh, my curiosity got to me and I started doing some research on uh, some of the better escapees and how many times they've escaped, et cetera, et cetera, and came upon this guy that they call the Florida Houdini. His name is Mark DeFriest. You guys ever heard of Mark DeFriest? No, but uh, I bet no, he, but I've heard he, of him. He, he, I, I mean, I bet he can't beat Charlie Fraser's record. That, yeah, uh, bloody and go. <laughs> you ain't to that. beating that one. Yeah. What was that? What was that record? Thirty something pounds. Okay, they uh, built us twice for Mangola or once yeah. for Mangola. Yeah, they yeah no, this guy doesn't have his. Up. This guy doesn't have his numbers, but he might have him on. 
creativity, ingenuity, let's say. So uh, uh, Mark DeFriest was born uh, August 18th, 1960. He's known as the Houdini of Florida. He successfully escaped prison seven times. He attempted many more escapes. He was born in rural Florida. The first time he was arrested was in 1978. It was for a, a misdemeanor, but his time in prison really gets started in 1980 in a bizarre way. He was sentenced to four years in prison uh, for violating his probation via an illegal firearms possession charge. But this firearms possession charge was blatantly unfair. The, the charges related to a set of work tools that DeFriest's recently deceased father had left to DeFriest in his will. His father's will had not yet cleared or completed probate. So officially, they weren't his to take yet. And he took possession of the tools anyway, which then made it a crime. And for that, they sent him away for four years. Mm. Pretty unbelievable. I mean, pretty severe. So his sentence has since been repeatedly extended for having attempted to escape 13 times, including one count of armed robbery during an attempt. We'll talk about that, that one count of armed robbery, as well as collecting hundreds and hundreds of disciplinary reports for minor infractions, leading to a cumulative stay of 34 years in prison. So this guy has remained in prison for 34 years, starting with that, uh, that four years that came from that illegal firearms possession, which started with, uh, the tools his dad had left him. So, uh, Following the a bunch of publicity, DeFries was granted parole and released on February 5th of 2019. Ten days later, he was arrested again as he checked into a mental health facility. Uh, the stories on some of these escapes are pretty inspiring. DeFries made his first escape after a month at Florida State Hospital in Chattahoochee. His initial plan there was to get everybody high. And then when everybody started freaking out, he would escape. So to accomplish this, he used his extraordinary skills to gain access to the hospital's pharmacy, from which he obtained 75 to 100 tabs of the powerful hallucinogenic drug LSD-25, which Mike, he then... Mike, was... Where where was this at? In the What's, middle Florida. hospital in Florida. The, the, but uh, where, where in Florida? Florida State Hospital in Chattahoochee. Way down yonder on the Chattahoochee. Chattahoochee. <laughs> It gets hotter. I'm sorry. Yeah, I couldn't let that pass. Well, that's the that, that was specifically Jackson. a Georgia related Alan Jackson song. Thank you. But that is <laughs> that is the greatest river to tube. You ever tube in the Chattahoochee? No, tube. Oh man. Been. Talk about awesome. The river moves along at you know a couple of miles an hour. You know, it's like the perfect pace to be on an inner tube, and people just float. Kegs float uh, float down with you know tons of beer and uh, and other things. Just and, waste and, a day getting wasted on the Chattahoochee. And, I think yeah, the Alan was talking more about that than he was. And, uh, and they do that for like case, eight. Right? They do that for like eight hours, and nobody gets up to pee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the river's got a a color that looks a lot like that beer from China. Yeah, right. What's I'm it called, Jim? Continue. Sing Dao, yeah. a lot like the Sing Dao. So, anyway, so Freest gets 
access to the hospital's pharmacy, and he obtained 75 to 100 tabs of this LSD, which he then spikes the coffee that the staff is drinking at that facility with the LSD. So, uh, of course, all of the, uh, the guards begin to freak out, but, uh, but his plan collapsed because somebody got wise and called security before he could make his move, um, and he had to surrender. In another escape, he and multiple other prisoners attempted to scale the facility's boundary wall. He got over the fence, he hotwired a car, and he made a successful escape before being recaptured several days uh, later and put in the Bay County Jail. In probably his most famous escape, he constructed a gun out of a toothpaste tube. Hmm. So he constructed a zip gun out of a, uh, out of a toothpaste right. tube. And he was, he was also able to, uh, he had a photographic memory, so he could look at a key on a guard and he could take a picture of that key in his head and he could go back and use multiple different uh, substances to build a copycat key. Now that's to, cool. To what he's, and so one of his escapes that involved the, uh, the gun made out of a toothpaste tube combined with three different sets of keys that he had just from his photographic memory uh, uh, memorized. And he was able to escape uh, uh, there and then got caught after he had held up uh, a place with the, the gun made out of the toothpaste tube. But, uh, but this, uh, this guy who's the former warden of Florida State Prison, Ron McAndrews, said, I've met a lot of brilliant people in my time, but I've only met one Mark DeFriest. His brilliance is so great that it's hard to describe. Come to find out that, I mean, this guy infuriated people and made them crazy everywhere, but he uh, he had Asperger's that wasn't diagnosed until later in life. So he's on the autism spectrum, uh, way, way genius IQ. Nobody knew how to deal with this guy his whole life. He gets put away for that ridiculous reason, and he spends you know, is still in, in, in prison today, but has spent his time in prison coming up with ways to get out of prison. 27 of his years now have been sent in solitary because of it, because nobody can figure out how the heck to uh, uh, to handle him. But I thought that was a, a really interesting story about an escapee. Again, it's Mark DeFriest, and they call him the Florida Houdini. Wow. That's crazy. Super intelligent, right? And has nothing to do but figure out how to escape. So. Yeah. 24 hours a day. The, day the key Charlie story Frazier, is pretty interesting. Yeah. They, they, there's, the legend has it, Charlie Frazier, uh, they welded his cell shut. Mm. Yep. The red hat cell block. Red hat cell block. Woody, could, yeah. you, could you use, uh, like I saw Kirk do this on an episode when he had to take out the Gorn on Star Trek. Can you use natural materials to build a gun? And uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can, but you still have to have a bullet. No, I'm speaking specifically of, of Woody Overton, the survivalist. Can you, not, if you're out there, can many, you construct a gun? Many, I have too many firearms to have to construct one. <laughs> what <laughs> if I gave you the, what if I, what if I seeded you with the tube of toothpaste? Could you probably, take it from there? Probably not, cause, probably not because I'm not very mechanically inclined. I, I can't build shit. So, <laughs> but interesting. All right. And uh, this next story. May shock you uh, when I get into the details, but eight children were abducted from Arkansas 
and they were found in the parking lot of a restaurant in California over the weekend. Uh, according to police, they arrested the children's mother. Trista Fullerton, 36, is accused of 36, and she had eight children, is accused wow. of kidnapping her children from their foster homes after she lost her custodial rights. Fullerton of Rogers, Arkansas, remains behind bars at the Shasta County Jail in Redding, California. It's not clear whether she has an attorney or not. Uh, uh, Anderson police were called to the parking lot around 1230 a.m. on Saturday after a person saw a woman displaying bizarre behavior. A welfare check was requested for her and the six children were with her and six of the children were with her. The family was found to be associated with a Dodge pickup truck with an Arkansas license plate. Officers learned that Fullerton had a felony warrant for arrest in Arkansas, uh, alleging the abduction of the of her eight children. She was taken into custody, and police learned through an interview that the two other children were at a home in the area of Cottonwood, California. The Shasta County Sheriff's Office helped retrieve the two children from that home. All eight children were placed in the care of the Shasta County uh, Children and Family Services and will be reunited with their guardians in Arkansas. Eight children, and she kidnapped them from her, uh, you know, the the people that were assigned to take care of them, the foster parents. That's a long-ass ways from Rogers, Arkansas to California. How do you Uh, feed eight kids uh, and, and, you know... That sort of sounds like maybe a trafficking thing. I wonder if she was trying know. to she was trying to sell them because Redding is the very northern border of California. So you're at the Oregon California border. You're not that far from Canada. There, going up through uh, through uh, state of Washington, Seattle, you hit Vancouver, uh, Canada over know. there. I wouldn't shock me if uh, if if that was a a trap. I mean, she gave up eight kids to to foster. Well, um, we don't know that she gave them up or took them from her. Yeah. Right. A lot of times they'll take them for uh, arrest or drug violations or what have you. But remember, they said two of the kids, she had to know somebody out there because two of the kids were in a nearby house. And, right. And then, yeah, boy, it's a weird place to, her and to go. Other ones. Strange, strange story, but interesting, right? But yesterday's show, uh, I talked about the dinosaurs. Y'all remember that? And then last week, of course, we did the egg stuff. Uh, I think platypus has to be a creature that's kind of like a throwback to a dinosaur. But anyway, we learned in last week's egg game that the platypus is one of only two mammals that lay eggs. This week, we'll learn that you can't just take one and then take a train ride with it, right? A 26-year-old man has been charged for removing a platypus from its natural habitat in Moray Field, a town in Australia. Jim, give me an accent. Good eye, Mike. Right? <laughs> According to the Queensland police on Thursday, following a hunt for the suspect and animal. Police say that the man, accompanied by a woman, took the platypus from a local waterway on Tuesday and traveled by train to the nearby town of Kubulaturi, <laughs> where they entered a shopping mall and showed the animal to members of the public, right? Because they're going to get away with it. The man who's not been named 
was charged with one count of taking a protected animal and a restriction on keeping or using a protected animal. Such charges, get this, can carry a maximum penalty of $300,000. The platypus current condition is unknown. Although police were advised that the animal was released into the nearby Kabulaturi River, it has not yet been located by authorities. Queensland police cautioned that a platypus can become sick or die while out of its natural habitat and warned that it should not be fed or introduced to a new environment. Male platypuses also have a venomous spurs on the hind feet. I did not know that. Making them dangerous for humans to handle. If you're lucky enough to see a platypus in the wild, keep your distance. Never pat, hold, or take an animal from the wild, police said in a statement. The platypus removal from its habitat sparked a police hunt as both the force and the Department of Environment and Science made a joint appeal for the animal surrender. Right? They're going <laughs> to... How you appeal to an animal for it to surrender anyway? Police had <laughs> released pictures of two people, one carrying the platypus and another carrying a bag, in their initial appeal for information. The man is due to appear in court on Saturday in native to Australia. Platypuses are small, amphibious mammals known for their distinctive duck-like bill, unlike most other mammals, for laying eggs as well as producing milk for their young. It's kind and- of strange, right? And who would have thought it would be like a bad thing to pet a platypus? I don't know. I should, who thought they were poisonous? I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that either. But I'm Woody, not, I suppose even... officially then we'll have to add the platypus to your list of exclusive yes. species. Pl- I think you have platypus otters, otters, walrus, uh, elephant seals, manatees. Yeah. He's and got all add, the cool animals. Add He's got dinosaurs, a lot of cool too. Dinosaurs. I, don't, I don't recall dinosaurs being exclusively <laughs> yours. We'll have to we'll have to check yeah. that. We'll flip for the next dinosaur story. <laughs> okay, we can we can do that. Uh, well, you guys know what's uh, yeah. you guys know what's coming up Tuesday, right? Halloween, baby. Yep, Halloween, and we got some major candy crime going on here in the old S of A that Mike is going to report on. Candy prices have surged year over year with Halloween around the corner, according to shopper intelligence platform Catalina. That's an interesting company. That's a company that every time you pass your little barcode there as you're going to check out, all of that data is being stored by this company Catalina that then feeds through supply chains and alerts on store inventories and all kinds of stuff. It's an interesting company. But uh, so they they have the actual data on who's buying what, when, and where. According to the new data for the 13-week period ended August 21st, average candy prices had increased 16% year over year. So that 13-week period, so basically summer 23 versus summer of 22, candy prices were up 16%. According to a report by the Wall Street Journal, sugar shortages are to blame. An agricultural policy that requires 85% of sugar purchases to come from domestic partners instead of international sources like the Dominican Republic, Brazil, or the Philippines is putting a strain on U.S. sugar supplies. And if supplies are low while demand remains high, we all know what happens. Prices go up. According to the most recent Consumer Price Index, 
from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the cost of candy rose 13.1% last year, the biggest year-over-year increase ever recorded. So we got an increase of 13%, and then on top of that, a more recent increase of 16%. So candy prices are way the heck up, but candy isn't the only thing that's costing more this year. Cocoa costs are also rising due to supply chain issues and an ongoing drought. Fresh produce costs are also rising thanks to record rainfall and floods in most of California. This all adds up to a more expensive Halloween for consumers, but it's probably not enough to stop them from buying their favorites. In 2022, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups ranked as the favorite candy in the U.S., with Kit Kat coming in a close second. Rounding out the sweet bunch was Skittles, M&Ms, and Snickers bars. So make sure you have a bunch on hand for all those Barbie and Ken's. Those are the top outfits embarrassingly Mm. enough, in the U.S. for this Halloween and various other freaks that will soon be ringing your doorbell. Halloween costing more. I tell you how to save a a bunch of money and and stop it from going up 16% next year. What you do is you go the day after Halloween to your local Dollar General store and they'll put all that candy on sale and just buy it all and put it in your attic. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know that the attic is the perfect place for storage, but don't they have sell-by dates on all that stuff? Oh, I don't know. I don't really eat. Yeah, but you're giving them <laughs> kids. Who cares? No. <laughs> hey, look at this. Mom, look at this great Hershey bar. I got the Overton right. house. Yes, yeah. honey, but it, it says, please uh, please consume by April of 1986. You might not want to yeah. eat that candy. Right. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Oh, it's like the everlasting Holly. gobstopper. Right. Yeah, oh, that's a good, good. one. Always loved Halloween. Well, and you're right. It's it's insanely expensive. I mean, it, a little small bag now is like five bucks, and you right. get like, you know, there's a little fun size, we maybe all 20 dress. of them in a bag. No idea. We, we can all dress up and go trick-or-treating and get a whole bunch of candy and then save it for next year. That's right. <laughs> I like the way Woody thinks. Yeah, I'm going to go good. check those sell-by dates and, and see. Yeah. Well, uh would he ever been to Disney World? Uh, I lived in Orlando for a little while, and I went to Disney World too many times. Mike, I'm not ever going again. I only went to Disney World once as a kid uh, growing up in New York, but I went to Disneyland tons of times when we lived in California. So, Well, I'm going to give you a Disney World story and a crime that took place there recently. A Walt Disney World guest is going viral on social media for jumping into the World Showcase Lagoon at Epcot this week. I saw that. A passerby who saw the whole thing go down said they were walking through the Italy Pavilion on Monday around 5.30 when they heard a man and his friends acting up. It caught our attention, they said. Apparently, the friends were talking about a bet, and one says to the other that he'd give him $6,000 if he jumped in the water. And Woody, if you ever bet me that, I'm jumping in oh, the water. Yeah, no, Six that's grand. That's an oh, yeah. Six grand, I'll take that ticket. Uh, I wanted to stick around to see if anything would happen, Brendan and Gwen, uh, the people that filmed this incident, said. That's when the man climbed up on the railing. How deep is that water, he's heard saying in the video. About a minute later, he jumps in. People watching the scene unfold at Epcot were shouting at the man, as as heard in the video. You're going to get kicked out of Disney, mister, one person has heard saying. Another says, he's going to jump. 
Security, however, wasn't far behind. The Disney manager was on her radio even before he hit the water. So when he joined his buddies, Disney security was right behind him. And I know yeah. you, I, I know if you've been recently listeners that you've seen these guys in the yellow and red jackets that say security on the back, the Disney yeah, security. They did. When they jumped, he made every one of the security guards a day. They just oh, I, like that's going to happen. Absolutely. So, uh, a Disney manager, uh, you know, radioed for backup. Uh, and they asked uh, Disney security, who t- did take him into custody, um, you know, for a statement. And they said, we reserve the right to deny admission, prevent entry, or require any person already admitted to, to Disney to leave Walt Disney World Resort without refund, liability, or compensation for failure to comply with rules. Uh, and obviously this was one of the rules. And the interesting thing is with, you know, Disney, everything is one thing they are good at is, uh, theming their, their parks. And so obviously they don't have a, all their security is underground. You actually right. go through a tunnel, you go right. underground and there's like an actual jail there. And there's, yeah. uh, there's a booking room and even an interrogation room. And so they brought him there and, and, uh, there has been no, uh, nobody has said if they've filed official charges, but I'll bet they filed some charges yeah, on him. Yeah, yeah. It's like Walmart. They're not gonna let you get away with it. That's for yeah. sure. They gotta, so they gotta make a, I'm in the water. They make it, yeah. They gotta make an example out of them. Otherwise everybody's going to do it for TikTok or whatever. Right. Yeah. That's wouldn't right. it be great if there was a, a big fight? You know, the, the Disney security guys have to kick the shit out of a guy right there in front of <laughs> all of these kids and their little, their lollipops with mommy and daddy walking by in the happiest place on earth. And they're you know, watching some guy get the shit kicked out of him at the happiest There's place. Dole whips. I know. I love a dole whip, though. I know people that go to Disney like three or four times a year. And actually, my wife and son are going in December. So. But I'm not. I'll be hunting. We've anyway. been. I've, I've been probably ten times in my life, twelve times. Um, yeah. Used to go every year with the kids and stuff. They got older, and then it was like want to do older, older yeah. stuff. I guess adults. I like Universal better back then. Of course, I'm talking in, in the early '90s uh, um, because Universal sold beer. But now I understand that uh, Disney World sells beer also. But yeah. I mean, you were late waiting in line. They came around. You know, like a, at a ball game or something. Ooh, that kind of makes my head hurt thinking about the other day. Right. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. All right, let's get to another place I lived in Tennessee, y'all. Uh, um, 
Police in Laverne, Tennessee, were searching for a suspect after two officers. Wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Woody, did you say Laverne, Tennessee? Yeah, yeah. Laverne. You remember La- our you remember our officer from Laverne. Was that her? That's where she was. Yeah, Meg, no. Megan. Meg. Yes, 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 yes. It, it was Laverne. Um, she was the one who was sleeping with everybody. Like five cops got fired out of that department from that thing. Don't you remember that story? Well, listen to this because there's there's less of them now. Um, <laughs> police in Laverne, Tennessee, were searching for a suspect after two officers were shot outside of Dollar General wow. while investigating a stolen vehicle, according to Laverne Police Chief Chris Mose. The suspect was later identified as John C. Drake, 38, the son of Metropolitan Nashville Police Chief John Drake. I am shocked and deeply saddened to learn that my estranged son, with whom I've had very minimal contact over many years, is the suspect in this afternoon's shooting of the two Laverne police officers, the chief said in a statement. My thoughts and prayers are with the two officers who I understand are now in stable condition at Vanderbilt. Moe said while the officers were investigating, they had contact with a subject. They struggled with subject and the suspect produced a handgun and fired shots. He said that one of the officers, a three-year veteran with force, suffered a gunshot wound to the left shoulder. And the other officer who had been with the department for a year and a half was shot in the right groin and right forearm. Both were listed in a stable condition. Moe said the suspect is five foot eleven with a muscular build and facial hair and dreadlocks. He was wearing a black t-shirt with a white hockey, ma- hockey mask emblem on the front with red lettering and gray pants. He was last seen headed northbound on Stones River Road. Officials said Drake is considered armed and dangerous, and a shelter-in-place order remained in effect for Lake Forest community as of nine p.m. local time. Avoid the area and report anything suspicious, police said. In his statement, Chief Drake added, Despite my efforts and guidance in the early and teenage years, my, my son John Drake Jr., now 38, resorted to years of criminal activity and is a convicted felon. He has not been a part of my life for quite some time. He, he now needs to be found and held accountable for his actions today. I hope that anyone who sees him has, or has information about him will contact law enforcement. The city of Laverne added Saturday evening, the suspect John C. Drake Jr. is considered armed dangerous and the shelter in place order is still active. I doubt if that's still going on, y'all. But residents of the Lake Forest community should stay inside and lock your doors if you see something suspicious, call police. So, mm-hmm. wow, it's, been a, it's been a crazy year in Laverne. What about the, that's the Nashville chief of police's son? Yeah, yeah. Man. Biologically, anyway. Feel for that. I mean, can you imagine, if you ever have something like that where somebody you knew well in the forces, kid committed a significant Mm -hmm. crime like that? Yeah, shit, I I didn't think about that one, you know. Certainly, people that you work with commit crimes, too. I've had to arrest cops before, so. Well, yeah, and we're here with Jim, and we know what his record looks like. So, yeah. <laughs> when you think about the leadership of the country, the folks in uh, in Washington D.C., there's a certain amount of I don't know, maybe it's me, but a certain amount of decorum you would expect from them in dealing with their staffs, and uh, uh, a certain maturity level maybe that that might exist there, and some 
some audio leaked out earlier this week involving a congresswoman, Sheila Jackson Lee, that that has gone viral. I don't know if you guys have heard it, but it's it's pretty unbelievable. So uh, Rep. Sheila Jackson Lee, who is uh, running for Houston mayor right now, was allegedly, I don't know why it's allegedly, because it's her voice, caught in an audio recording cursing at her staffers and calling them names. The audio appeared to be recorded by a staffer and shuffling is heard when he reaches for his cell phone, promising Jackson Lee that he will contact another staffer about a paper she had given him. So the congresswoman accuses the staffer of, quote, not having a effing brain. Then she says, I don't want you to do a goddamn thing. I want you to have an effing brain. I want you to have to read it. Uh, She's talking about a paper there. Nobody sent me the information I need to ensure my schedule. And, you know, if boo-boo did it, shit-ass did it, fuckface did it. (laughs) And nobody knows a goddamn thing in my office. Okay, nothing. The rest of the audio clip comes after Jackson Lee is confronted by a second staffer about uh, the same paper, uh, which surrounded an event in honor of the late Ovid Duncantel, who founded the Black Heritage Society. Duncantel was heavily involved in Houston politics during his lifetime, and Jackson Lee is currently running, as I said, for mayor there. Quote, "Okay, so when I call Jerome, he's only sitting up there like a fat ass, stupid idiot talking about uh, what the fuck he doesn't know. Okay." Both of y'all are, are fuck ups. It's the worst shit that I could ever have, have had put together. She says, two goddamn big ass children, effing idiots serve no goddamn purpose. And it goes, it goes on from uh, there. And it reminded me, you guys remember uh, Casey Kasem, the old top 40, American top yeah. 40 job? Every, every Sunday. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So back in the day in the radio business, He was infamous for uh, being really hard on his production staff at American Top 40. And somebody sent around audio that was that makes what you just heard from uh, uh, from Jackson Lee, you know, sound like a pre-K classroom. I mean, him just, all of a sudden it's Casey Kasem's voice and he is F-bomb after, you know, just just abusing every single person on the staff. It's pretty funny to hear that voice and then hear uh, all of that cursing. But uh, I don't think if I'm looking for an internship uh, in politics, I'm, I'm looking to intern for the Houston mayor. Uh, should she be elected anytime soon? Right. Crazy. Attitude city. All right. We're going to, we don't have sound effects still. So we're going to, what do you give us your best plane sound effect? Um, I don't have one. <laughs> <laughs> Good enough. Good enough. We did mics the other day, and Mike. You can now take off your seat. Yeah. See, you order freely drink. around the cabin. Yeah. There you go. Very good, and it is a mile high crime. And we're going to stay in Houston, uh, and uh, tell you this crazy story: an airport in Houston temporarily grounded all flights on Tuesday after two private jets collided on the tarmac. Uh, 
The incident took place around 3.30 p.m. when a twin-engine jet departed without permission from the William P. Hobby Airport runway and collided with another twin-engine jet that was landing on the runway, according to the FAA. No injuries were reported in the collision, and it's unclear how many people are on board the aircraft. The departing plane was identified as a Hawker H-25B, which is a corporate aircraft, while the arriving uh, flight was a Cessna C-510 business class jet. The two private jets clipped their wings as they were moving on the airfield. The airport remained under a ground stop while crews worked to remove the debris, and the airport announced the debris had been cleared just after 7 p.m. The incident remains under investigation by the FAA. So, you know, if you fly private jets like Mike does, right. um, get clearance before you taxi out on the runway. That's crazy. Good. Is that your fighter jet, Mike? Good Lord. <laughs> That was the one I pulled up back last night. They're working on it right now. All right. right. That was your mile high crime. Mile high crime. So, y'all, kinky crimes for Friday. And Edwin uh, Tobera of Hamilton, Ohio, was first arrested in 2002 for having sex with an inflatable pumpkin that was part of a Halloween display. In 2008, he was again convicted of public indecency for an unknown crime and received five years of community control, also known as house arrest. However, things only got worse from there. In August of 2011, he stole an inflatable pink pool raft from one of his neighbors and went to an alley and then proceeded to have relations with it. Right? So he's helping the the pool float, okay, in the alley. The neighbor called police, and they arrested him. The neighbor took the pool raft back and, for some unknown reason, kept it. Well, on July 15, 2013, the temptation became too much for him again, and he again stole the same pink raft, and again, he tried to make sweet, sweet love to it. This time, he did it in the middle of the day while children were in the area. He was arrested and pled guilty and received 11 months in prison, right? So that's your, it's not known if the neighbor threw out the raft this time. but Yeah, hopefully hopefully that raft found its way to the, uh, to that's the trash. Your, that's your kinky crimes for Friday. God, and we, didn't we, we had a guy uh, having sex with a stuffed animal the other day. Yeah, and all kinds What's of stuff. Stuffed right? animal or a raft? I don't, I don't, I don't know. That's I bad. I really get it. Must be the material on the raft. That uh, that is not good. Well, since we don't have banjos readily available, uh, I'm gonna go off the grid a little bit and not do a, a dumb criminals today. Instead, I want to talk about Bobby for just a minute. Bobby was the world's oldest dog ever. And Bobby just passed away at age 31. Can you believe that? 31. Quick math, 31 times 7. That's 210. 217, right? 217. Because the other 7. So that's the equivalent of living 217 years. Unbelievable. Bobby, the world's oldest dog ever, has died after reaching the almost inconceivable age 
of 31 years. Oh, we forgot to add in the 165 days. That's like another four, another three years. So uh, what do we say? 100 and 207. Uh, So 210. Um, uh, And that's according to the Guinness World Record. So this official release came from the Guinness people. His death at an animal hospital on Friday was initially announced by veterinarian Dr. Karen Becker. She wrote on Facebook that despite outliving every dog in history, his 11,478 days on earth would never be enough for those who loved him. There were many secrets to Bobby's extraordinary old age. His owner, Lionel Costa, told the Guinness people that he always roamed freely without a leash or a chain. He lived in a calm, peaceful environment and ate human food soaked with water to remove the seasonings. Now we feed our dogs a lot of, a, a lot of food off the, off the plate. That's a good idea. The soaking with water, if you're going to do stuff like that, he spent his whole life in Canqueros, a small Portuguese village about 150 kilometers north of the capital of Portugal. Jim always knows his capitals. Jim? Uh, the capital of Portugal? Romania. Lisbon. <laughs> Woody comes through. Uh, Romania would be a separate country, by the way, but <laughs> yeah, Lisbon would be the capital of Portugal. So about uh, 90 miles or so outside of Portugal. And he hung around with a bunch of cats, apparently. He was, I've never heard of this breed, a purebred Rafero do Alentejo, which is a breed of livestock guardian dog. Uh, the normal life expectancy for that breed is 12 to 14 years. So he more than doubled up that life expectancy. Um, he surpassed almost century old record to become the oldest living dog, a title which had previously been held by an Australian cattle dog named Bluey, who lived 29 years. That's amazing. Um, But Bobby's story almost had a different ending. When he and his three siblings were born in the family's woodshed, Costa's father decided they already had too many animals at home, and he and his brothers thought their parents had taken all the puppies away to be destroyed. However, a few days later, they found Bobby alive, hidden in a pile of logs. So the puppy hid himself in a pile of logs and then lived to be 31 years old. The children hid the puppy from their parents for quite a while, for uh, for months, until he was too old to be put down, and uh, and then he became, obviously, the family pet that we are talking about. His eyesight deteriorated over the years, and his walking ability became harder, but as he grew older and older, he still spent time in the backyard with the cats and rested and napped by the fire. Bobby's special because looking at him is the remembering of people who were part of this family for generations. And I'm sure that's the effect. And I'm a little sad for Bobby though. You guys want to know why? 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 Because Bobby's family doesn't know Roy, Kristen and Kristen at Louisiana pet crematory, because if they did, they would have selected a magnificent urn from Louisiana pet crematory an urn that would commemorate with proper magnificence, the tremendous life that Bobby lived uh, I bet they would have done an amazing earn for Bobby. 31 years. 31 years. Yeah, that's got to be a record in there. RIP Bobby. Yeah. yeah. It is yep. the record, the world record. Rest in peace, Bobby. Any final thoughts, guys? Nope. Just love and appreciate each and every one of y'all. And have a happy, good weekend, and thank you for liking and sharing and all that good podcast and stuff we're supposed to say. 
Yeah, and hope that they find this guy in Maine and hope that uh, that things get better soon in the Middle East. So. Right. Yeah, and until next time, I'm Jim Chapman. And I'm Woody Overton. And I'm Mike Agavino. For Real Life, Real Crime Daily, peace. peace. Aglets. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.